Hello, and welcome to Talk in the Microphone, where we talk about Logan Whitehurst's entire solo discography. I am C-O-N-N-E-R Nyberg, and I'm an <laughs> avid Logan Whitehurst fan. And my name is Owen Otto. And uh, yeah, I also like Logan quite a bit, and I used to play in a band with him, and I played on some of his recordings. That's awesome. And today, we're talking about probably his most famous album and one I've been very excited to talk about, Goodbye My 4-Track, released in 2003. Now, Owen, there was a three-year gap between this album and his last album, Earth Is Big. Do you care to explain why there was such a long gap between those two? I don't completely know, but um, what I know is that he was making the album in 2001 because I know that I recorded my parts, some of the songs I played on then. Okay. And uh, I think he was just, my guess is he was just really busy with um, the Velveteen that actually was kind of really That's taking right, yeah. really taking off at this point and doing quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it's like they were kind of, once they really got going, they were kind of a hit instantaneously. And I think they were yeah. even getting like major label interest, and uh, mm-hmm. and they uh, recorded their debut album. Did that come out in two thousand two? Maybe. Yeah, out of the Fierce Parade that came out in oh two. Yeah, and they recorded that with um, uh, Chris Walla from Death Cab for Cutie, mm-hmm. who's also produced a bunch of other things. Um, so my guess is he was just that was kind of his main focus, but I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure that he had like most of it or a huge chunk of it done by the end of 2001 gotcha okay that that explains a lot because there are these tracks appear in one form or another and a lot of them actually appear in a somewhat finished state when he was releasing them on mp3.com in 2000 and 2001 um yeah. i was just wondering what the year gap was but the velvet scene did take up a lot of his time especially in 02 and so that explains it actually fun fact here so i was doing some digging there's a Velvet Teen Japanese fan site. Apparently, the Velvet Teen were huge in Japan when they came out. You know, they're one of those bands that weren't big much anywhere else except Japan, kind of thing. And um, there's this fan site. It's entirely in Japanese, and it's still being updated. In fact, the person that um, moderates the site linked to our first episode of Talk in the Microphone. Oh, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so they've been keeping up to date with this kind of stuff. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, I mean the Velveteen's still playing now, and uh, yeah. you know at least somewhat. And they—I don't know when they—they've been to Japan within the last five years or so. Uh, yeah. So they still do that, yeah. They do have a large following there. And um, out of the Fierce Parade, anybody who hasn't listened to the album really should. It's a very, very good indie rock album, and it has a song by Logan, a special gift to you. Yeah, and maybe I, I bet he contributed to other ones too. But I'm not yeah, totally exactly. Sure. I think I think from what I heard, it is like a, it was a band effort kind of thing. And um, overall, it was just really great, really well polished. Um, definitely kind of a change of pace for Judah and Logan at that point. And so it's interesting coming back to Goodbye My Four Track, you, you get Logan again, except this time it's like just so well produced and so well put together with all these different collaborations and stuff that it really is kind of like the pinnacle of what Logan can do with the Junior Science Club. I love it. Yeah, definitely. This is... Uh... The pressure's on on this podcast, Connor. Like this is know, like this is, is like on. the episode. We need to have our act together. <laughs> <laughs> we 
need to get uh, our NPR voices on here. <laughs> now, Goodbye Life of Wish came out in 2003. <laughs> and um, a lot of people know this album because it received fairly regular airplay on the Dr. Demento show. Now, those of you who don't know, Dr. Demento is a California DJ who um, is most famous for playing comedy music and discovering acts like um, Weird Al Yankovic, Barnes and Barnes, etc., etc. And um, he called this album. Now, keep in mind, Dr. Demento, his real name is Barrett Hansen. He has he has a degree in music theory or music in general kind of thing. He knows his stuff basically, and he calls this album "Goodbye My Four Track" the Sergeant Pepper's of comedy music. That's pretty high praise. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, and I think that they were actually, uh, you know, later on, this is skipping ahead a bit, but I think that Logan and Dr. Demento, like, talked on the phone pretty regularly. Uh, yeah, I think actually Logan um, performed live on the show. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for a recording of this. He performed live on the show once, and he actually got Dr. Demento to play Fish in Lizard and Fish. I'm oh, really looking, I'm that's looking for genius. That. Oh, you I need know. to get a video of that, yeah. <laughs> Anybody that has a recording of that, that that's... That's classic, timeless, priceless. Um, <laughs> and this was also, uh, this an, another important fact is that this album was his first on a record label, Pandaside Records, who also put out several releases by the Velvet Teen, and I'm assuming that's how he got his um, solo act on the record label. But this was his first um, record label release, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... Um... It is a real record label, but it is also kind of like a small one that I think was, uh, it's weird, the memory, I've forgotten who it was, but it was like some, like a few people in Petaluma ran it, is my memory. Yeah. Yeah. And so it might have been a small label, but for Logan, this this meant a huge amount of difference. This meant collaborating with people, um, a higher production value, recording more in um, studios, I believe, and it all just comes out on this record. So um, you want to you start it? Um, I just thought maybe a couple other things worth saying is um, I think that the album was mostly recorded with um, Dan Kelly. Was oh, the, yes, Dan Jack, Kelly, yeah. And I think it's all, as far as I know, it's all recorded on the computer, so it's all digital and not the four-track stuff. Quick editor's note here. We realized after recording this episode that the majority of this album was, in fact, recorded onto Logan's four-track. And I think they just recorded it in different... Um, like the parts that I recorded, it was actually like at Dan's, uh, like maybe his dad's house or something. So I think it was just in houses, yeah. like not in a studio per se. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. Another thing that I is kind of, I think another thing about the timing of it, I think it came out in fairly early 2003. And okay. it's weird though, like I don't really remember there being any fanfare around it, like a CD release show or anything yeah. like that. Just kind of weird. That is interesting. Yeah, so this was definitely an unorthodox indie release in every aspect, but it it still stands on its own to this day. Indeed, indeed. All right, let's do it. Yeah, alrighty. Track one, we got a brief introduction. I love how he's bringing back the um, the animal wheel kind of from Earth is Big, and he's using it as kind of a, a build-up in anticipation. Yeah, it's sort of like, um, I think that Logan even in some ways kind of thought of this as like his first album. 
it was almost like all the other ones were kind of like the practice, like learning it and stuff. Gotcha, and, yeah. and so you kind of see like all the tricks from the previous ones, like the best ones are kind of like here. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense because he did re-record a lot of um, songs that I think he really enjoyed and he didn't feel like got a proper um, arrangement with his last or his first four albums. Yeah. This is the Junior Science Club. Would you like to educate the listeners on to who the snowman in particular is? So, uh, Logan had this, uh, wait, what's his name again? I forgot. You forgot. Vanilla the Plastic oh, Snowman. Uh, he had Vanilla, like, at all his shows, Vanilla the Plastic Snowman. And all of them, even from the beginning? Like, his very first show with uh, opening for Frank Black? I would guess yes. If not, then very shortly thereafter. Nice. Yeah. And so he would always like pretend that he was... Well, no, he wouldn't pretend. He was a member yeah. of the band. No, yeah, he was. Yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> but, see, um, what many people don't realize is that the Junior Science Club was all the brainchild of Vanilla the Plastic Snowman. Logan was just a front for Vanilla and his songwriting genius. Yep. And so he'd maybe like turn on turn on the the light inside of this rather large plastic snowman at some point during the show i have a picture of me with vanilla i should send it to you oh nice yeah no you definitely should i'll put that in here (laughs) but i think this is a um it it kind of just like slaps you in the face right at the beginning of the album with like boom this is the super well recorded logan it's kind of different than all the stuff before yeah it's just like a super tight pop song um it's got, it's like all the things that he's been learning up to this time are all there, like all the vocal harmonies and all these kinds of things, and um, just really catchy and lots of clever lyrics. It's got everything. Yeah, I know. It's, 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 it's like a jingle. It's, it's happy. It's everything Logan-y. And it's tight, which I think is funny. So this album is definitely his most well-produced album. It's definitely his hi-fi moment. Which is funny because it's on the top of the album. It's advertised as Inglorious Lo-Fi. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty hi-fi. Just, yeah, it I've, is. It, it's got um Chris Walla of Death Cab for Cutie and producer of Out of the Fierce Parade on the guitar, and it's def- it's the first track on here with a collaboration. Yeah, it's a nice like a uh, jangly sort of guitar sound. Yeah, it's kind of, I wonder, I wish I knew, but I feel like he had like all these songs recorded and then he just kind of like found other people to uh, to add parts when he, because I know they were kind of getting in that circle of meeting those guys like Death Cab for Cutie and Pedro yeah. the Lion and, and that sort of thing. Um, that so makes sense, re- yeah. It's really cool that you got them on there. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, and there exists like alternate versions of, of some of these tracks where there aren't like the overdubs. Um, for example, track three. The Volcano Song. 
music is this one? Like normally with a Logan song, you can be kind of like, oh, he's sort of like doing this style. He's wearing this <laughs> style for this song. And this one, I just don't even know. <laughs> um, I, I put it under his um, educational songs, kind of like the Audubon Society and stuff. With talking about volcanoes and tectonic plates and oh, yeah, how it all goes. It's and definitely it's, that. And, it, and it's definitely grooving along with it. That's, yeah. that's how I put it. But um, yeah, no, I think the most impressive uh, feat on this song is the layering. Like he starts out with that one lyric, T-E-C-T-O-N-I-C. And then he builds on that with some stereophonic lyrics and it, it all just builds upon to each other. And he's like, oh, you're a volcano. Yeah. It's got the yeah. spelling. It's got the spelling thing again that we've talked it about before. It does have the spelling thing. Yes, yeah. exactly. This also features Elliot Whitehurst, Logan Whitehurst's brother, on the trombone, and um, this goes back to what I was saying before. There is an alternate version of the song where it's literally it's this exact track. Actually, it has a, a kind of a interesting acapella intro, and it's this exact track except the trombone's missing, and it's like it it just feels so naked. It's like it needs that trombone. Once you hear that trombone, it really deserves to be in there. I love it. Oh, yeah. That's funny. Like, it's, he comes from such a musical family. Like, I don't know if I said this to you before once, but I was at um, I was at their house once, like maybe on Christmas Eve or around Christmas. And, um, you know, like his grandma was there. And uh, I, think, I think even his grandfather was still alive. And at one point they were just all like the whole family was like singing songs in like four part harmony and like <laughs> like maybe his, his like uncle would start playing a, like would pick up the uh, harmonica and like play a little solo it's like okay this is i can see how he can do this because he can i of, join his family can i be <laughs> yeah exactly like i would be a lot better at music if i grew up in that <laughs> That is funny, and, and, and it all works. I love it. This is the volcano song is definitely a junior science club classic. Yep, it's a goodie. Gets the gold star. Gold star. Speaking of family, this next track is named after Logan's cousin, Aaron. or so Logan was writing songs about uh, his siblings and his cousins and there's a bunch of them and I've seen I don't know if they're on the Logan Weiser's archive or not but uh, recently I was looking at some list of of, uh, other songs and like like 
I knew all the titles of the other ones about other family members. Like he played them for me in his car and stuff. And this is one gotcha. of them that he liked and decided to make like a really good version of. Yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, no, I'm looking at this list now. Um, when he put up his discography on LoganWires.com, he always uh, he also put the unreleased tracks from each album. And here are all the titles of the family members. You got Elliot, Elliot, Julie Does What Julie Says She'll Do, Song for Tess, It Never Rains on Alex, which uh, that's a good one. And he's Eric. Hey, ladies. <laughs> exactly. And so this is kind of the thing that we've talked about before that you still see coming through, even though he's making like a more pro album where yeah. it's kind of like the songs are, a lot of them are just written for friends and family. Like, <laughs> and, I, and you can tell, like I can kind of get the joke of this song, but yeah. you, could tell, you could tell like it probably makes way more sense to Aaron in specific. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, actually I like the whole story behind this song. I mean, the whole, you're, you're doing the right thing for the wrong reason. You save someone's life and you're like, oh, I'm gonna be rich and famous because I saved your life and now you owe everything to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I am the, the hero here, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. And it, I, I love it, I love it so much. And um, Josh Staples from the Velvet Teen did bass, and that's actually a really, it's a really kick-ass bass line in this. And um, I love the sample, the, well, mother told me there would be days like this. There's also, on, on Me and the Snowman, on, on this song, I th- it's the first time as far as I know that he played this more like electric organ kind of sound. Huh. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I got you. Maybe it's electric yeah, piano. Yeah, yeah it's, I know it's a really nice um, keyboard sound. But yeah, no, actually, it, it's very... It kind of brings it more tighter. It's not as loose as as the tracks used to be. It helps give it like a tight beat. Yeah, because there's no reverb or anything. It just it's just there. It's it's very fat. I like it. Um, up next, track five. I love the ocean. Um, did you ever go to like a summer camp and you know you guys would all gather around the campfire and, and sing a, a campfire song? Yeah, thing? yeah. And it's you all totally... chant it. That's that's what this reminds me of. I could just see a, like a bunch of summer kids around a campfire singing "I Love the Ocean." Yeah, and it's, so it builds on sort of the sea shanty kind of thing, some little degree. I yeah. will say this is one of my. This is like in my top three Logan songs. I really, really like this one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, it's because. They, it has like all these different levels in which it's great. Like one is that w- if I'm ever swimming in the ocean, I always think of the song, <laughs> I love the ocean. Nah. It's like the, <laughs> it's just like the song of the ocean to me. And, uh, 
I love the like it's just really funny I love the storytelling in it and then yeah. those guitars are insane like it's all so out of tune and quick. it is the and whole it, it song just kinda is, adds to the atmosphere it does yeah I, I think that the whole way that it kind of like goes in and out of key is actually technically hard to pull off and really daring but yet yeah. it's it's done in a way that's totally catchy mm-hmm. I, I agree and um I love I love the part in the middle where the bridge and he's like sometimes I go out to the water and the fish gather around and tell me secrets about the future and it goes like it just goes like crazy like there's no key anymore it's like and then and then it comes back and yeah. it comes in with those awesome harmonies like just really good ones and it's like oh my god yeah it's just so satisfying to hear that like like because you know I mean pop songs usually they do like verse chorus verse chorus bridge. And so that when they go back to the verse or chorus, it makes it more satisfying. This, this takes it to a whole new level. It like completely derails and then puts you right back back on. And it gives you, a, oh, it's just great. I love it. Yeah, and so it's kind of that um, sonic experimentation that he was doing before, but now yeah. he's got it fitted into this thing that's just totally seamless. Yes, exactly. And this is track. Um, also, uh, another important note. There are a lot of transitions, whereas last album he kind of experimented just a little bit with transitions. This album really tries to seg each track together more so than, than any other album he's done. So, for example, after the end of Aaron, when he says, um, if I hadn't grabbed your hand, you'd have washed out to sea, there goes the ocean wave sound effects, and it goes right into I Love the Ocean. Mm, yeah, and yeah. That'll, that'll happen so much more um oh yeah before i forget elliot whitehurst played electric guitar on this and elliot you did awesome thank that you that was so really much. really good elliot yes thank you and um at the end you've got a sample of a guy saying i wish we could have had some musical entertainment tonight but instead This one's a little hard for me to listen to without being affected by knowing that Logan, you know, got brain cancer after this. It's just, yeah, just kind of turns my brain into knots. It's just so crazy. <laughs> it seems like, I don't know. And, you know, it's, it's very coincidental. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But I, taking that out of the equation, this song is amazing. Like, honestly, I would say this is my second favorite Logan song, right after Saturday 243. Wow. Just because I, this was the song when I was first discovering Logan, I was on his archive, 
And there was an alternate version of this on um, on the website for free download. And um, it's practically the same song, except it doesn't have the, the bell at the beginning and the harmonies are just a little louder. But I looped this song maybe a dozen times just because it it just it just blew me away. I absolutely love this song. So um so let me let's talk about the production a little bit. So this track has a lot of samples and actually that recurs a lot during this album, especially the um the kid saying I think he says like where are my shoes oy ivy and and it just loops and loops and makes kind of like a rhythmic track. And the drums throughout the whole thing, I think, are just a, a simple beat. Um, and the song structure itself is just, it's amazing. You got the verse, chorus, verse, and then like, I don't know, the dynamics and everything, it just, I don't know, it just works. Yeah. I absolutely love the song. I think it is honestly the highlight of this album for me. Wow, cool. I think this one is, um... Not that it sounds just like him, but I think it's definitely influenced by Beck. Like, in yeah, the, the use bit, of yeah. samples. Mm-hmm, exactly. And there's a lot more of that on this album, especially on stuff like Please and Thank You. Um, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's silly, it's a silly song, but at the same time it works by itself, which I love that when he does it. And he's got the piano on this one, but it's not his usual show tuny kind of playing style. Like it's it's kind of delicate near the beginning, and when the chorus comes in it just boom, it just hits. Yeah. And I don't I, I I adore everything about this song. So um Dan Kelly played the electric guitar, um and Elia played the acoustic guitar on this one. And God, it's just love it. I love it. Again, it's really weird considering what happened afterwards, but I mean, yeah, by itself, just as just as a standalone kind of thing, I love it. It also has a pretty unique sound, like it's yeah, exactly. uh, it's different than his other tracks, and um, also I think this one is a little bit less obviously imitating some particular thing. Yeah. And it's got a little, it's got a little melancholy to it, which is, it's interesting. Like you, you could just, you can see like stuff in your head on this. It, it's, it's silly again, but it's, it's got like a tinge of melancholy to it. Just yeah, kind of like you know, you're walking down the road and you're zoning out, and that's okay. Hmm. It's a really, it's really weird, but yeah, no, this, this definitely gets a gold star for me. So you think it's about this moment when you, when you kind of zone out or something? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like I don't I don't want to say a, a trip, but I mean like some of the stuff he says, like somebody stand, uh, staring at your shoes, but you don't know that it's you, kind of thing. It's like that moment where you're just kind of like your mind's thinking about other things, and you don't even realize where you are or what you're doing until you're like, oh shoot, what's what am I? What's happening? Ah. Like you ever had a moment where like you're like staring at somebody and you don't even realize it, and they're like, why are you looking at me? And they're like, oh shoot. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like this is like the zoning anthem here. Ah, okay. Now I want to listen to it again, but okay, I'll do that afterwards. All right. Um, track seven is another classic. I think I think we all like this one. It's called the Robot Cat. <laughs> Out of quarter to 
fly quick as can be. Nobody better get in my way. I got the package in the mail today. I popped all the bubble wrap, threw it away. Now I'm learning Japanese so I can read what the instructions say. There was a bag of nuts and bolts and screws. It didn't say which screwdriver to use. I don't know what the radiation warnings are. What are your thoughts, Owen? I'm a pretty big fan. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's the—it's definitely the, it's probably the most like danceable song he has. It's a—it's it's a rocker, a rap rocker. Um, it's the—it has like the story is really catchy and they and evolves. You know, different things happen yeah, throughout. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I'm surprised that this song isn't like known internationally. I am too, honestly. This is this is a really, really funny and just catchy track. It, it's hilarious. Now you did play on this song though, so you do have a little bit of a bias there. But I th I really like that riff. I really do. In fact, I think you have a video on your um personal YouTube channel where you show how to play that riff. I do. Um, yeah, it's funny. I think that this, you know, even though the song's not as popular as I think it should be, I think like sort of ironically, it might be the most well-known song I've ever played on. <laughs> Which is funny because this was just like a half hour of my time or something. Oh, nice. Like, um, I think we were at, uh, Logan and I were at uh, this place that used to be in Petaluma called Deaf Dog Coffee that we would go to all the time. <laughs> and uh, they actually had a bumper sticker that said, um, friends don't let friends go to Starbucks. <laughs> and uh, um, we, so we were there and looking, so, oh, hey, I have this idea for this song that's about a robot cat. Do you want to come back to my house and uh, play on it? So he went there and I think he maybe had, he just had the beat. Mm -hmm. And um, he just told me he wanted it to be like, like, a, like a big fuzzy guitar sound. I think I was just kind of messing around for like, I don't know, 20 minutes or something mm -hmm. while he worked on like the lyrics or something in the other room. And he came back and he was like, oh yeah, that's good. And then, <laughs> and then we just recorded it. It was like super easy. <laughs> that is awesome because that, that is a kick-ass riff. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I love it. And the whole song. So the robot cat, wasn't that a... Um, I don't know if that was the username or whatever of um, Allison Naomi, who I believe he was seeing at the time. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Because maybe maybe that's think, after the fact. I think she had a, a character called Robot Cat because I think he wrote a book for her using the Robot Cat back in 01 or something. That's where I believe that the Robot Cat originated from. That was one of her things. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. All I knew is that he just, he just told me that he had this awesome song idea and, you know, I think by the time I finished recording it with him, it didn't like he didn't record the lyrics or anything then. Yeah. And so I didn't. I maybe heard it a week later, and I was like, "Whoa, okay, that's really good." <laughs> and then I don't think that I think that this is the original recording. I don't think they re-recorded it for the. It wasn't re-recorded for the album. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Now, um, there is a rough backing track, and I'm I'm, I'm digging deep here. So, um. Do you recall Logan did some music for Matlock Zumsteg's skit show, It's the Show? Yes, yes. So there's a, a skit that he did called 32 Flavors, or Hot Ass Ice Cream. It has a, a flavor of ice cream called Hot Ass. And it has, I think it's from, it might have been 01 or, or 02. 
and it has it's the backing track to Robot Cat, except it is very different as far as like drum machine goes, drum samples and stuff. It's almost like it sounds like he didn't even know what to do with it yet. But I believe your guitar riffs on there, so I don't know. I'll have to send that to you and let you check it out. Well, I know that this was all recorded. I'm 90% sure that I recorded this with him and the whole song was written in like okay. early 2001. Gotcha. Um, all right, yeah. Yeah, and he might have like messed with it before this. He might have like modified it for this album, but it was it was basically the same in, you know, the first half of 2001. Gotcha, that makes sense. Um, before we move on, I got to point out there's that freaking um, we got the, we got the spelling theme again with R O B O T C A T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, then he got the Japanese theme again. You got the the Japanese instructions, and you got the samples of people speaking in Japanese, and it's like kind of like a flashback to Tokyo Narita. And I'm 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 so curious, like where where is this Japanese stuff coming from? I don't know, but um, I I wonder if it's just from playing Nintendo games or something. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. All right, interesting. Um, well, we go from that awesome awesome track to an equally awesome track. It's the third incarnation and the best incarnation, in my opinion, of Happy Noodle versus Sad Noodle. The sort of life the working stiff dreams about Driving a Studebaker, making pies with his wife Taking a dip in the old swimming hole Yes sir, Happy Noodle had it good and he wasn't complaining He always waved and smiled and tipped his hat and said Nice weather we're having, regardless of the weather Nice weather we're having Now as most protagonists do, he had an antagonist A polar opposite bent on nullifying his happy existence His name was Sad Noodle A pathetic excuse for an egg and flour mixture with a little extra water just for tears He worked in a successful firm and was under a lot of stress And this is the story of their ultimate battle I like that a lot. I really do. That was uh, that's a that's an awesome version of the track. And personally, I think if you listen to the backing track without the guitar, which you added by the way, um, it sounds almost it sounds almost exactly the same as the other versions. But with that like wawa guitar coming in like every once in a while and like the power chords in the chorus, it adds like a whole new dimension to the song that you know you didn't even realize it needed until then. So. Thank you, Owen. Oh, happy to be of service. Um, yeah, I think that I, re- I I think like the Robot Cat we recorded the other day, but then I think I played on two or three other songs on this that we'll get to, but it was all done in one uh, one day. Oh, dang. At Dan's, uh, Dan Kelly's, like I think his dad's house, like somewhere in Sonoma County. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was super fun. And it was, the I think Logan picked... I don't know if this was this, but he picked like all the songs, or he picked several of the older songs that I really liked to have him play on. So it was it was fun. Oh, that's awesome! All right, Owen, do you want to give a technical ag- explanation of the Happy Noodle versus Sad Noodle rhythm to the people at home? 
Yes, I do. So I think um, when we did, when we talked about uh, this song on one of the previous albums, I was referencing how there's this kind of like rhythm trick in it yeah. that makes it really catchy. But then recently I sat there and actually like thought through what it is that makes it, um, what that rhythm trick is. So yeah. that would be fun to explain it. So basically I think what Logan's doing here is if you think of the, um, the uh, like sort of cliche rock beat from say We Will Rock You that goes like doom doom ch, doom doom ch, yeah, doom yeah. doom ch. And so it kind of sets up this thing in your mind where when it goes doom doom, you're like, it's gotta go ch, right after that. <laughs> or um, uh, Nirvana's like heart shaped box where it goes, you know, doom doom, hey, doom doom, oh, yeah, right. yeah. that kind of thing. So what Logan's doing in this, and I definitely think he like actually like purposely thought it through that, that, <laughs> that he was kind of like playing this little game, is that the the backup music does that rhythm, you know, it goes like dun dun, dun dun, dun dun, dun dun. But then in the singing, he does he defies your expectations. Like um, on the first time, the happy goes at the same time as that beat, so it's it's like happy. Noodle. Then the noodle comes after it. So, huh? And then the second time it goes like doom doom happy noodle. So, so where the the happy and the noodle like move around between the two times. So it's it's kind of like it sounds like it's going to be this familiar cliche, but then it's just kind of slightly off. And I think it does this kind of uh, usually like when things are kind of almost like what you expect, but a little bit different. It makes them really catchy. Uh, that works. Definitely works in this case. Well, thank you, and that was that was actually really um, really helpful with that one. That's that's interesting. Let me know if you want any more, if you, any more music theory. I can tell you about tritones or. Oh yeah. Oh, we we gotta get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> but I still think, uh, and more generally, I, to me, Happy Noodle is like one of the Logan top oh, yeah. pieces. Absolutely, it really is, and I think he knew that too, which is why here he is five years later. And he's still working out new things with this song. And that that's that that blows me away. Yep. Alright, and from Happy Noodle versus Sad Noodle, we get to the poor poor ice cream man. Kill, kill, kill the ice 
is scary. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I honestly, I believe that if this song wasn't on the album, this album really could do well as like like a children's kind of album. Like kids could listen to this growing up if it weren't for this freaking track. This track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it is weird. It's it's funny, but it is actually kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> Logan's got to get that, like, schizophrenic track in there somehow. You know, he had Big Ed's body. He had th- that whole lot. He's got to get in one. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, there's a version of this that he released in 2000 on mp3.com, and it's um a very different recording, um, no rhythm track at all. So it makes it even, like, a little bit more eerie. Without that drum machine there, it's, like, even weirder. And the only sound effects are that of, like, gunshots. Oh. And so it's like, oh, <laughs> Mm. Yeah. So I don't. It's like the instrumentation kind of adds more um, silliness to the song. I feel. Yeah. Or at least does, more insanity. <laughs> does it still? Does the original one still have that kind of Danny Elfman flavor? Yeah. To no. It? Yeah. Maybe even more so, just because there's no no drumming. It's just so. It's very mellow and very uh, eerie. Very eerie without that drum machine. Yep. But it's funny. I mean, we've talked about before, like, both, like, the Danny Elfman theme and stuff like that. Yeah, but exactly. also that he does kind of, for such a nice, really mellow guy, he does usually have, like, a few songs that are about, like, murder, basically. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that makes me a little, little worried about Logan there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What secrets is he hiding? What is he trying to tell us? If you reverse the ice cream man, what is he trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then you go straight from the Ice Cream Man to a song about uh, one of his family members. How you doing, Emily? Hey, this next record is what our party is all about. Every time you tie your shoes, every time you put on your hat, every time you wash your face, it matters. Every time you simply go outside, it means a very great deal. be nice to have your brother write a song for you i bet yeah yeah i kind of wish my name was emily because this is such a very nice song yeah <laughs> so emily for those of you who don't know is logan's sister emily whitehurst also known as agent m she's been in such bands as tsunami bomb the action design and survival guide and um here he's got a song for emily and it's it's one of those um family songs we were talking about and he decided this one was good enough for the album in fact i like how he starts it out with that sample of saying like this next record is what our party's all about yeah yeah it's a very it's the maybe the most like up song on the album exactly yeah following the ice cream man you can only go up from there (laughs) (laughs) you definitely need that yeah yeah (laughs) A little booster. Um, so this track's got a couple of people from Pedro the Lion, um, David Bazan and uh, Casey uh, Faubert, and they play the organ and guitar. And so, do you know? Nice. Do you, have you listened to Pedro the Lion? I haven't. No. Okay, I actually like one of their albums. It's called Control. That I don't know if it was out around this time or not, but that's a good one. But like, it's just a really. If I was kind of like, oh, I got this song, like, how you doing, Emily? Like, Pedro the Lion are the last people that I would think of to play on this song. <laughs> like, it's just a really, really non-intuitive choice. 
So I'm really, that's really funny. <laughs> and maybe that's why he did it. Maybe he did it just because, like, who are the last people I think would play on this song? Oh, okay. But yeah. um, they pull it off. It, it, yeah. it just comes off as just a really, like, a good, feel-good song. And yeah, there's some kind album. of 70s pop about it or something. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's it's silly. Especially, you can tell he's he's having fun making this, especially during the breakdown and such. It's yeah, It's all fun. And then we have track 11, a obligatory word from Farkle. How many times has this happened to you? <laughs> well, that's great, because the creators of I Can't Believe It's Not and George Forehead's Lean Meat Pat Grilly Exploding Toaster present... Farkle! It's new, classic, original, improved, sanitized for your protection. You've never seen anyone like it. Call now! Never mind, we'll call you. Hello? Tired of those annoying phone calls? What the- Farkle! Sweaty palms? Nausea? Farkle! And remember, nothing says love like the gift of Farkle. Just listen. No! Farkle is guaranteed- <laughs> I love- I love how he- how he builds it up. He builds up this commercial with, um... A sample from the It's the Show theme song. And he goes straight back into the da, 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 da. It's just the same thing he's always done. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a funny farkle though. I just laughed out loud. It is. Even though I've heard it like fifty times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's yeah, Farkle Farkle's like it's the never ending barrel for Logan to find out all these new ideas. And this Farkle's also got a few friends on it. You got Matlock Zumsteg with the uh, first time I bought Farkle testimony. Um, Al brought Peters, whose song uh, What I Ain't Got had been covered on Earth is Big, saying the infamous, I have four pounds of Farkle in my mouth right now. And then um, Scott Gruber, a.k.a. Toasterhead of mp3.com with the divorce and eviction uh, testimony. Yeah, it's a good Farkle. I like it. It is. And I especially like um, the ending when it says, um, see you on side two, little buckaroos. <laughs> and um, <laughs> recently, um, some guys with a record label called Needle Juice Records just repressed this um, album with the help of Kickstarter backers, including myself and Owen. And um, We're such for the nerds. cassette. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and they, made, they did a cassette version of this, and they made sure of making sure that this song was the end of side one. And so that side two would start with the next track, which is Please and Thank You. this track it's like um it's kind of like it is like an intermission between um like smack dab in the middle of this album between what you heard the first half and what you're going to hear in the second half and it's 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 a nice jam it's like what you're saying about the um the beck beat and this is it's entirely instrumental yeah it's got some sounds in it that i don't know how they're made like i don't know i can't tell what's a sample and what's it's it's interesting yeah it is interesting um i know um Justin Pinkerton, a.k.a. DJ Eradicator, did turntables for this track. And um, after a little bit of research, the, um, the, the, the quote I love, the to attack without knowing the enemy's strength is foolish, 
quote is from a Chinese movie called One Armed Swordsman from 1967. Apparently, huh. it's been used in a couple like hip hop songs. Never heard of it. Yeah, neither have I. But that, there's like a—is it a dialogue there, or is it just different samples going against each other? Um, the to attack that one—that's all one quote. That's all one quote from this movie, from like a scene in the movie where the, the Asian, there's the Asian guy. And he's just saying ah, this one monologue. I see. Cool. Yeah, it's a fun little fun little ditty. Yeah, and um, again, it has a perfect transition with the slowing down, please and thank you, please into thank you for do the confusion. Thank you. Uh, can I get you something from the kitchen? Some cake, uh, perhaps some coffee. Sounds good to me. See how you like this rifle barrel over your head. Oh. And now I'm getting out of this crummy joint once and for all. falling off logan come on <laughs> that, this, that one's pretty dancey as well actually that was yeah i was about to say that this is this is like a nice dance track i, I would boogie on the dance floor to this yeah yeah so this one is also very sample heavy and there are especially several moments where it sounds like samples but it's really just logan dialoguing his different characters like the beginning scene i'm pretty sure that's all logan are you serious I'm pretty sure I, I I've looked up the quotes from that before, and I, I'm pretty sure that's just Logan doing his um Sid Sheinberg voice. Also, like in like if you do you find if you're looking up the if you type in the phrase of a sample that it comes up? Yeah, if it is. yeah. Usually it it pops up. I don't think I found anything with that one. I think see how you like this rifle barrel over your head is a pretty unique quote. <laughs> that's really funny. I totally believed that that was like a, from a movie or something, and I was. Thinking, yeah, I know because like, it, it, it's it's um it's like what he did with the the Farkle on the Earth is big. Remember he was playing around with the EQs of stuff to make it sound like it was from different sources. Uh-huh. I think that's what he was doing there. Of oh. course, that might be wrong and it might be from a movie but i'm pretty sure about 90 percent sure that's logan interesting yeah it has he has like the gangster thing come up a lot i know there. there that is again right there yeah yeah i love it and um judah did bass on this one um i love the drum sample and uh yeah do the confusion is actually really catchy beat i like it yeah it's catchy one something about it even reminds me of um you know groove is in the heart Oh my god, yeah. Do you know that? How the, how they, in the heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way they do samples and stuff, there's something similar to that in this. <laughs> it's got like that, that whoosh, whoosh, sound that, and stuff like that. That is funny. Um, that, yeah. that, that, that. <laughs> I like that. That's, that's good. 
Oh, now I won't hear the song without thinking of that. Thank you, Owen. (laughs) 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 All right. And that was Do the Confusion, and it transitions pretty well with a gunshot into Welcome Back, Mr. Pants. Hello. I am Mr. Pants. Let me give you some advice. Don't eat yourself up like a cookie. It sucks. Does the Macintosh still have that voice that's at the beginning? It does, actually. It's called Fred. Um, if you go to System Preferences, I check yeah. this out. Go to System Preferences. Um, I believe it's under Accessibility. And, you know, there's like a text-to-speech feature. And the name of it's Fred, and it's still in there. Oh, cool. Yeah, I so mean, you, I rem- can, you can make your own Mr. Pants at home, kid. <laughs> it's funny. I don't know what other... I don't remember it coming up in any of the other songs we talked about, but I remember Logan playing around with this a lot and, like, making a bunch of different things with, with yeah. that voice. Um, I think, um, from what I can tell, because I think uh, Logan was into Heavy and a Radiohead for a while, and they have that song, Fitter Happier, with this voice, where it's saying a series of quotes and stuff about, um, you know, just a bunch of stuff Tom York wrote about, like, a bunch of depressing stuff, but it's just one track, it's kind of instrumental, and it's got this voice over it. And um, I think that's where he got the idea for this. I think he was probably doing that stuff, like, before that just because like if you give someone like logan text to speech like he's gonna do it yeah but it's actually really funny how to me how logan would see something like that and be like oh think of all the great jokes i could make and like tom york (laughs) is like think about how depressing i could make (laughs) (laughs) like yeah logan's thinking it's so funny the computer's gonna talk and sound weird and tom york's thinking like the computers are taking over and they're, <laughs> think how bleak this is that is true that that is so true that's funny i didn't even think of it like that. but you're right you're absolutely right this song is the weirdest track on this album i gotta say i mean just i mean listening to it again listening to the lyrics it's like there's a story behind it that's kind of like it's weird so from what i gather mr pants is a cult leader and he's returned to tell his followers about how he got invaded by aliens and turned into a cookie as, uh, along with his friends and they give him a cookie to eat before they go and that cookie is his friend whoa i never listened that closely to hear the story i just thought it's, it was like wacky insanity yeah it, it's weird but i mean there's a story behind it and i was just i was trying to figure out like what the fuck this is so <laughs> weird like, i was like what okay because, like, so he's saying that we climb into a saucer, um, we return into cookies and eaten with some tea. And then his followers are like, hallelujah, have some cookies and some tea. And then he's like, hey, this cookie looks familiar. I'm like, oh, wait, what? 
Oh my Whoa. god. This is uh, it, this is the weirdest track it, it, probably ever. Wow. Probably ever. Because there's some story behind it that I still don't even understand completely. Huh, that's funny. That's I, I think just with the title having Mr. Pants in it, I just sort of like was like, oh yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's just silliness. It's just silliness. Which isn't, it sounds like it is just silliness, but it's it insane is, it is, silliness. Exactly. It's like some absurd storyline that makes no sense. And maybe maybe there is, maybe it's not an inside joke. Maybe it is just absurd to be absurd. Hmm. I don't know, but cool. oh, well, welcome back, like Mr. That. Pants. Welcome yeah. back, Mr. Pants. And then there's a uh, baby Logan transition into Lizard and Fish. I think that sign was wonderful. But it wasn't. Oh, hello there, baby Logan. How about let's sing songs? Yes. Let's sing another song. What shall we sing about? The lizard. A lizard. And what else? Uh, I'm thinking what else. Ooh, a fish! Lizard and fish. Oh, what a pair. One lived underwater and the other breathed air. together and dream and lizard said fish how's the water today and fish said and lizard said somehow we'll both get away and be a refugee lizard and fish it's very it's it's different from the original which was on um how does an electrostatic motor work in that it's more whereas the first one was i think it was just keyboard sounds this one is actually, I think it's completely real instruments. There's like no samples, zero samples. And it, it's, it gives it kind of a, a homey feel that kind of resonates well with the song, I think. Yeah, it's good. This is definitely one of the Logan classics, as we've talked about before. I think it, I'm glad he decided to do this one on there. Yeah, I am glad it got the um, the revamp it deserved. And you're on this track as well, playing I was, the guitar. You know what? I was just about to ask you. I literally don't know if I played this on there. I was like, Logan. <laughs> Sorry, Connor, did I play on this? <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, yeah, um, what you said before was a good point. The songs that you play on, um, excepting the Robot Cat, are all the um, all remakes of older songs of his. Yeah, I mean, I he just he told me what songs he wanted me to play on. I feel like maybe on this one, I'm I have a vague memory of talking about this one and maybe me suggesting it. But in general, he like he was like, oh, I want you to play on some songs, and he just told me which ones they were. But maybe just because he kind of wrote them when we lived together or something, he just thought it would make it would work. Yeah, I guess. But, but um, yeah, I mean, the guitar in this one, like the other ones I played on, I feel like oh, there's like some. This one, it's just kind of strumming the chords, but it, it adds a little yeah. bit. It does, it does. It, it, again, it gives it kind of that, like a full band feel. Like you feel like it's a, it's a, it's like a jazz band. And then there's a nice, um, kind of drummy transition at the end because he, he kind of snares out and then snares back into, I want to live on the moon. I want to call it my home sweet home I want to check 
good one. It's not yeah. um, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a Logan classic, but it's definitely a very it's a nice short ditty about wanting to live on the moon. It has some um, in- interesting arrangement. Like who played guitar on this one? Um, Casey Faubert from uh, Pedro the Lion. Oh yeah, just some cool little tricky things there in the second verse. What I noticed on this one is that he did this uh, kind of radio mic effect on his voice at the beginning. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how or why he did that. That's with all the verses, and then in the chorus it goes to straight like microphone, no effect. It sounds like in the verses, it sounds like he's like in a small room with a cell phone microphone and the cell phone's like on the other end of the room from him. It's weird. Yeah, I think maybe it gives it this little effect of being like on the moon far away, like kind of reporting from a distance or something. And then also when the chorus comes in, it sounds huge. Again, yeah. Because you, if you make things like really artificial in the verse, then the chorus sounds really big, which I think is nice. That's true, yeah. Yeah, and I think the guitar adds something as well. There's another, there's an alternate version of this that exists without the guitar, and I think the guitar again, I think it adds something to it. Yeah, is this a, a much older song, or? Um, I don't know how much older it is, but I'm assuming the, um, I think the, all the alternate versions were released between like 2000 and 2001. Yeah. On MP3.com, so I'm assuming it's it's an older one that he got um, Casey to overdub the guitar on. Yeah, I feel like I'd heard this one before, but it sounds like maybe it was re-recorded with Dan Kelly or something, because like some of the things sound pretty big. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and um, I like the return of the robot cat here. This is it's a it's a good little callback there. Yeah, he does that kind of thing that it reminds me of um, the Beatles, like in Glass Onion or something, where they name yeah. check their own song. It <laughs> makes you feel like you're like in their the world of Logan Whitehurst or something. Exactly. It's, it's the world of the Junior Science Club. Indeed. And then it um, goes on from a moon-related song to another moon-related song. When Werewolves Collide. To lovers, the moon is a thing of beauty. But to this man, it is a deadly curse. When the moon is full, This miserable wretch turns into a hairy, snarling, half-man, half-beast. He prowls the night, thirsty for human blood. He is a werewolf. This is Logan at his peak, Danny Elfman-esque. Yes, definitely. I agree with you there, 100%. This song, I like the dramatic arrangement and stuff, but I'm still trying to figure out the the meaning behind it. Is it like you got two werewolves that collide, I guess, and, and they're trying to figure out what, what it is? Yeah, I can't fully remember it, but I feel like this one was one of those like mishearing a phrase things. Yeah. The, the title comes from that. 
Interesting. Is there is there a phrase like when something collides? What is that? Um, when two worlds collide, I guess. When two worlds collide. There's no way you could mishear that and think they said werewolves. werewolves. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it might be something like that, but um, it is again it is very Danny Elfman-esque. Um, I just did a quick look up. I believe the quote from the beginning is from a British horror film called The Curse of the Werewolf. I think where Logan's getting these is that these have been they've been, they've been sampled before on other hip hop albums. I don't know if he heard it from there and he decided to sample those kind of bits and pieces or I don't know. I don't know how often Logan listened to hip hop, so it doesn't I don't really remember him listening to much hip hop, so it's a little surprising, but uh interesting. Yeah, it seems like he wanted this album to like almost like the underlying theme of it is that it's stitched together with all these samples. Do you know who played guitar on this song? Um, Mike Griffin. Do you know who Mike Griffin is? I think Mike Griffin's in Tsunami Bomb. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, this one, something about it sounds really well recorded. Yeah, uh, no, I, I, I think, um, I don't know, because listening to, like, the instruments and stuff, it sounds like the typical kind of drum machine synth layering. Um... I, I think it's just the dramatic feel of the song that, that really kind of brings it all together, especially like the timpani sound effects. I like that. Yeah. Oh, I remembered what I was going to say before. I think might be, it feels like what he was going for maybe with this album and all the samples is that he wanted it to feel a little bit like one of those like children's records. He wanted it to have the feeling of one of those children's records that you listen to where it's like, and now turn the page and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and that's and it has that thing about flipping the side over that's like the most obvious reference. To that. But <laughs> yeah. then, but it kind of has those throughout, and it just gives it this kind of like storybook feel a little bit. It does, yeah. Again, I mean, I feel like if you took out um, the ice cream man, this would be like a quintessential like children's album, and oh, I mean that yeah. in the best of ways. I really feel like this could be like this could have been a really good children's music album. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, yeah. So, I mean, it works on both levels, but uh, except the ice cream yeah. man. Yes. <laughs> it's that damn ice cream man. You ruined it all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, I mean, again, I mean, with Logan and, and this kind of music, he's shown that he can write serious. He's done that. He's, he, he's done the experiments on Earth is Big. He, he's done experimenting now. Now he, he's kind of found his niche, and he's sticking with it. And it's, it's like silly kind of... Sesame Street-esque without being overly educational except on songs like Volcano Song. And it's, um, it, he found w what's worked and now this album is him magnifying it by a hundred. And it, that's why it just works so well because it's song after song of the same kind of style. And he deviates a little bit every once in a while like the Ice Cream Man or Your Brain Fell Out even. But it, it all stays on kind of the same straight and narrow path. At least that's what I think. Yeah, I mean, he makes. I mean, he still does a range of different genres and things. Yeah, exactly. But they're like yeah. all ones that are totally in his wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he, it basically, it's just him strengthening those muscles, those musical muscles. Yeah. And it, it's just really good. And he um, he now has like connections to a lot of more musicians. Yeah, exactly. And he has like he's super confident at recording and knowing mm -hmm. what he wants. And so, yeah. So this is him at at probably at his peak. And, and it, it's it's awesome. I love this album so much. Um, track 18, and that's what we're on, track 18. It's, a, it's an odd track. I think it kind of sticks out among all these. It's a minute and a half long. It's called Steve. 
that sample in the middle i'm from oregon and i know something about trees <laughs> the beginning of it sounded almost like a more palatable version of bubba's throat <laughs> <laughs> that this song i think it's the it's the track that sounds most like it would belong on earth is big or electrostatic motor just because it's so it's logan by himself at a keyboard and he's just playing with this idea of my name is steve hi how are you yeah yeah, it's more of a more of a little experimental interlude, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess that's appropriate for it. It's kind of like an interlude. And um, I mean, what more can you say about this track than um, "Hi, how are you? My name is." <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what particular Stevie was thinking of. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. What, does, he, does he have a family member named Steve? Was this one of his family members that he came up with? Steve Buscemi. I mean. Oh, it better be. Better be Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to think about now with this song. It's going to be Steve Buscemi. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right, then we go from Steve Buscemi to At The Wig Store. My friends are all on TV. But they don't talk about me. Even when David Letterman says to say hi to the people at home But I suppose it's okay I go to work anyway You see I have to get paid to get food I can eat when I'm sitting at home So this is an interesting track in that it's kind of um, it's it's a duet basically, kind of except one person kind of duet. It's it's the same character, but it has his uh, sister Emily on backing vocals, kind of backing up what Logan's singing about the horrors, the woes of a man that works at a rogue shop. <laughs> Does, uh, did he write down what the story was behind this song anywhere that you know? Um, no, I. I couldn't find anything. Uh, the the way I've been finding out the stories for the last tracks were um, it's on. They're all in the Logan Whitehurst music archive, and the guy that set that up, Jason Steele, he um, copied, I believe, the descriptions from the MP3.com page, and that's how he did the backup stories. Hmm. Um, with this one, I don't know. I think it's. I, I take it at face value. It's about a about a guy working at a wig store, and he's not not too happy with his job. Not too happy. I think what sucks is I don't fully remember the story, but I know that I used to know it. And I, I, I think it's it's about a real person who I think is a female who worked at a wig store and did this. And I'm wondering if that's why he decided to have his sister sing on it, to have that like female yeah, voice maybe. maybe. But that, yeah. that, that is interesting because that, this is the one and only time that kind of happens. So it makes it stand out in the album. 
Yeah, yeah. But so it seems like it's about someone who's um, doing a bunch of like personal stuff on their work time. Yeah. <laughs> They're basically <laughs> killing time at the Wick store. Yeah, yeah. But it has a it has a also a different sound like it's like the music sort of sounds like reggae influenced or something. Yeah. It reminds like, me of um kind of like uh, the tide is high by Blondie. It reminds me of that kind of um except this one's a little more a little faster. But I mean I, I get what you're saying about ah. the, the kind of tropical feel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it has a good feel. I like it. Yeah. Um, it's got Judah on guitar and bass. And um, again, this is one where you can tell that they're all just kind of having fun with making this track. Yeah. Um, up next, we have another remake, track 20, Prosthetic Brain. I could be a politician, roll my socks up and go fishing, put my money in a box and bury it forever. I could be a television, turn me on while you are fishing, listen to the weatherman and learn about the weather. Prosthetic brain, running backwards in the rain, like a train, going back to where it came from, empty now and lighter than it once was, a fine analogy. I feel really, really bad that my favorite songs on the album both have brain in the title. Uh, I really, really wish that wasn't so, but god damn, this is a good song. Yeah, this one is, to me, this is the peak. If this is the peak Logan album, this is like the peak Logan song and recording. Yeah, no, I got you. I, I agree there wholeheartedly, which I think is why he put it like right near the end as like the second to last track on this album. Mm. I think that was a really good placement on his part. Um, but again, it's kind of like the lizard and fish effect where um, you listen to the first version on electrostatic motor and it's like it's the reverse drum track and you got the keyboards and the hoo hoo. And I mean, it seems like it seems basic enough. And then you got a version like this where it's just it's fully realized with actual instruments and you play guitar on this again and um he even adds he even adds lyrics to this one um the bridge was just this is my synaptic heart officiality you see in this version he adds provided by the ace prosthetic brain replacement company i think that was a really smart choice on his behalf i don't know i feel like listening to the bridge and having it like repeat once more is kind of satisfying in a way and it makes it even better when it does go back to the verse chorus mm, yeah, yeah 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 this was really fun when we when we recorded it too because i remember just like playing lots of different parts and, and yeah and him kind of being like oh okay let's do that one and it was really like really easy and yeah and fun there's a part in it that you can barely hear when, mm-hmm. during that this is my synaptic artificiality it has like a lot of chord changes yeah, and, it does. <laughs> yeah, and it was really like on the guitar. I was like, "Oh my god, I gotta figure out all these things." But, <laughs> but there is like a picking part that you can barely hear in there that does like all of these transitions between the chords. That's really super complicated. <laughs> it, it's it's sort of like one of those things where if you took it out, you'd probably notice that it sounded emptier, but you don't really hear it. Gotcha, gotcha. I'll yeah. have to re-listen to that. That's funny. Um, but yeah, no, what you were saying, I, I think one time I actually tried picking out this song on the piano, 
And like the verse is easy enough, you know, you got the basic one, four chords. And then the, I get to the bridge and I'm like, what the crap is this? Yeah, the bridge I'm like, is I, nuts. I'm doing the, it's like I, I do the chords and I figure it out and then I instantly forget because there's like no pattern. It's like it shouldn't work. <laughs> it shouldn't work, but it does. I'm like, God dang it. I just, prosthetic brain to me, it has like the lyrical content is interesting and has some really cool ideas in it. It's got like, you know, even when we talked about on the previous album, he already had all these different vocal parts. But when you hear mm -hmm. it in like, the high fidelity with all those vocal parts, it's even more yes. amazing. Exactly. And um, what I like about these tracks, um, especially like the ones that sound more live, like this and Lizard and Fish, is that you have instruments, but it seems like before, Logan was trying to give each instrument equal amount of um, attention. Like they were all kind of at one dynamic. But with, with these kind of tracks, especially like, I'm going to go back to Your Brain Fell Out, they, they're they there, but they come in most when they're needed. So like, mm. go, so using Your Brain Fell as an example, so you got the piano kind of coming in at the second half of the first verse, and you hear the pretty arpeggios, and it's nice, but it kind of goes back into the background. And then the chorus comes in, and he starts banging on it, as, as, as giving it more of a, of a just loud feeling. And I think he's really mastered that on this album. Each, you, each instrument comes in when it's necessary. And even though it might be playing throughout the whole song, you hear it when it's needed. Oh, I see. So that makes like, sense. It's less like, normally you write a song, let's say you write the song on guitar. Yeah. The finished product kind of sounds like, oh, they wrote that on guitar. Like the exactly. guitar is kind of the main, and this one, it's kind of all uh, yeah. sort of architected like you, throughout. You got the mallets, which is the main riff, and then you hear your electric guitar come in during the chorus. And um, even the background vocals, I love the woo, woo. But yeah. on the first version, they're as loud as the lead vocals. Here, they're more in the background with the instrumentation. Oh, and okay. it's one of those things where you listen to it enough and you're like, oh, I hear the woos. Yeah, maybe it's just maybe it's partly just from recording on a computer and having an engineer to help and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, I, I do think that collaboration really helped Logan on this project. Yeah. All right, well, we're at the final track. And this is the track of which the album gets its name from. Goodbye, my four track. Goodbye, my four track. Goodbye, microphones. No more songs about noodles and fish. No more references to telephones. So, goodbye, my four track. Goodbye, everyone. It's been fun, but I gotta run, so goodbye. It's a fitting closer to a to an amazing album yeah no i have to agree um it's interesting um listening to it this time around with us talking so much about the tracks and and like laughing along with them it's kind of like it's it's kind of more sad closer than anything it's like it's kind of it, it makes you like oh shoot it's over and um listen also listening to i mean you can kind of picture um, like a show toony kind of exit, like it's it's a, it's the end of a musical, and you, you got Logan, and he's putting on his um putting on his suit and tie, and he's about to leave Mr. Rogers style, and he's singing this little song before he leaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 uh, one of the things that stands out to me in this song is that little kind of like a monologue that he is in the middle. Yeah, um, no. About yeah. like you know, shut up, you baby head. You, you can't control everything <laughs> and stuff. 
And it's it's funny to me because um, it sort of comes off as a joke in the mm-hmm. thing, but I think he was actually quite serious in what he's saying there. The, I think so too. Yeah. I think this is actually kind of his um, almost like a life philosophy about. Yeah. And I don't know if I can. He did explain it to me once. I remember about something like when he was having some like uh, like romantic heartbreak or something. But he kind of yeah. had this this view of sort of the best way I can put it is like not wallowing in your pain or self pity and kind of it's almost like a stoic sort of thing where you sort of. Just be like, well, you know, I can't control everything. And so maybe that didn't go my way. Uh, but, you know, yeah, it sucks. And we're, we're going to move on. This is the best I can kind of do. But it yeah. was almost like I think like happy noodle versus sad noodle is almost the same kind of thing. Yeah. So like <laughs> like he's a pretty um, he was like a pretty uh, mentally healthy person and, you know, not prone to doing, I guess, like the Borisy or Tom York kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Excepting a couple of schizophrenic songs, he was pretty, pretty happy dude. Uh, maybe they, that's how he got his aggression out—is like fantasizing about killing maybe. The ice cream man. <laughs> maybe that's what he did. But I mean, it worked because I mean that—that's how he did it, and he got over it. And then now he's um, <laughs> and he making making songs like "When Werewolves Collide" and and at the wig store kind of thing. <laughs> and um, he seemed very, from just from listening to his music, he seemed very down to earth, very. His his head was in the clouds, but his feet were on the ground, kind of thing. Like he he realized the people around him, and he used it as kind of inspiration, directly or indirectly, as a source of his music. And um, what you were saying about the monologue, I can, going back to the him leaving Mr. Rogers style, I can see it's kind of, it's almost like he's breaking the fourth wall. Like he, I mean, he's been in character this whole time, playing out these little skits. And now here he is, he's talking directly to the audience just before he leaves. He's like, I'm leaving you with this last one bit, and then I'm out of here. Yep. Yeah, and I think that leaves a really big impression. I like it. And it's a perfect closing to a, a, I I dare say, a nearly perfect album. I really do. I mean, how many albums do you know that have 21 tracks, and each track is amazing and each track is even more amazing than the other and it just it builds up to this grand almost dramatic kind of production yeah so many good songs and they also kind of fit together as a whole and there's you know these all these uh things that time together like we were saying this sort of like children's theme yeah yes exactly and it's it's it all it's this is the result of the years he did experimenting on stuff like Outsmart and the Popo's biggest octopus. Um, this is this this is what it's all led up to. This is it. This is the Junior Science Club album, and this is again like what you said. You sound like um, he felt like this was his first album, and I I would agree with you there. I really would. This is like i felt like listening to this first and going back and hearing his stuff those force for albums sound more like demos of his experiments and stuff and this is his first proper release goodbye my four track which is funny because it, when you pick it up <laughs> you think goodbye my four track and it's, it's like you don't quite get it and it's an inside joke with himself yeah that makes sense i think um yeah so i have to remember what i was going to say um, oh yeah, I think that the the sort of um, 
lesson of creativity that I extract from this. I don't know if I've ever actually done it, but it's cool to see. It's like, don't sit there and try to kind of, you're gonna take the Logan approach. I would say a, a key to it is, don't sit there and try to craft the perfect thing. Yeah. It's just kind of just make a lot of things mm-hmm. and then you'll just keep getting better at making things. Absolutely, yeah. Now that's, um, I heard a story. So Mr. Mr. Rogers, he wrote his all, all his own music and apparently he um, he took music theory and um, he went up to his pastor. I might be getting the story wrong here, but he went up to his pastor and he wrote a couple songs. He's like, hi, I wrote a couple songs. And his pastor looked over them and was like, these are pretty good. Now come back when you have a barrel full and then you'll you'll really write something good. And that's kind of, this is the visual representation of that or audible representation of that. You got Logan making all these different songs, experiments and stuff. And here he's grabbing the best from the barrel. Yep. And um, and you get Goodbye My Fourth Track. And so, yeah. Um, I said last time I thought Earth is Big was his best album, and I'd have to remember listening back to this. But yeah, no, definitely. Goodbye My Four Track is rightly considered the magnum opus of Logan. Even I, Connor, will have to concede this one beats <laughs> I Would Be the Biggest Octopus. It is, it's, it's now, definitely now don't the get me wrong, yeah, Biggest Octopus does have its charm. It does have its lo-fi charm. But as far as album-wise goes, and um, as far as all that goes, this this kind of fits into his theories perfectly. Yeah, it's definitely the, it's, it's super consistent. And as we've been saying, it's like the culmination of all this stuff. Exactly. All right, well, that was Goodbye My Four Trek. Thank you all for listening, and be sure to tune in next week when we talk about very tiny songs. Goodbye! Ha <laughs> ha! April Fools! We're just <laughs> kidding you. There's one more track on this album. It's a technically a hidden track, but it is a revamp of a popular Logan song called Monkeys Are Bad People. And so are you. Uh, daddy! <laughs> yes, son? I'm hungry. Well, what would you like to eat, son? Can I have a banana? A what? Uh, a banana. We don't have any bananas, son. Well, why not? Why I'm not, daddy? <laughs> <laughs> and the dad is just so calm, and he's like, oh, well. <laughs> It's so well lit, sanitized, bacteria-free home. <laughs> you you have a monkey in your backpack. <laughs> it's like it's like the it's it's the bipolar father, and he's in a return with his his son, who is just so confused. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that he um, I'm glad that he did this one so we could hear more of his voices. Yeah, exactly. And it's and it's a continuation. It's it's like monkeys are bad people too. Except it's even better than the first one. Kind of like, you know, Terminator 2 or Adam's Family Values. This is like the sequel is better than the original. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, why, why do you think he decided to make it more of a hidden track? Um, well, listening to the album in, in the context that we've been talking about, it's, I really like thinking of this kind of as like the, uh, the encore track. Like he's finished the stage and you got the people applauding like encore, encore. So he comes back on and he does this one last song on the piano with himself. Monkeys are bad people. Hmm. I see. Now this one was recorded in 2001. I believe it's actually even part of the, the track title. Monkeys are bad people 2001. And it's, it, it's 
show Toonie Logan all the way, 100%. And personally, I, I, I do enjoy this one better than the first one. Whereas the first one did have more of an arrangement to it. This one, it has, the sketches are a little funnier. I like the sketches, especially the in between talking and stuff. And um, you can just kind of, you can visualize it. You can see the father and son at the piano playing this, this jazzy standard of how horrible monkeys are. And, uh, ah, uh, it's so good. So, so it has the radio play thing is better in this one, you think? I, I, I do. I, th I think so. That's, yeah. that's why I, that's why I personally like it. So it's like, it's interesting because like with other songs that he's rearranged on this album, he, he makes it better kind of by adding something extra to it, like guitar or real drums or a number of things. But with this one, he makes it better by taking away all of that and just keeping the piano. Oh, I see. And it's, then it's he, kind of an inversion of what he's been doing with this album. Yeah, and you think that's kind of part of that he wanted to have this encore effect that it needs to be kind of stripped down. Yeah, I, I think so, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. I can I can just see it. That's 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 the, that's the best part about this. You can you can visualize these songs. And I mean, there's some of them like um, like Prosthetic Brain, where I have like a music video in my head of like different things flowing as it goes. And this one, this one is so down to earth. You can. You can just see the father and son. Hey, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, yeah that's really cool. Do you know um, if this is the one that Dr. Demento plays? Or maybe he played both um, of them? I, I don't know, actually. Um, I know the first one got very popular on Dr. Demento. Um, I'm sure he played this one at least once or twice as well. Um, there was something else about the strike. Oh, yeah. What sucks is if you go on iTunes and you look up Monkeys or, or you look up the Goodbye My Four Track album, this track's not on it. They took out this hidden track completely. Uh, so when I downloaded this from iTunes, I had no idea what the, the track listings all meant when it said it had another track. And I actually had to, I had to go on Groove Shark. You remember Groove Shark was kind of like uh, streaming pre-Spotify kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I had yeah. to find this album on on Groove Shark, and using QuickTime, I recorded it and I added it to this album on my iTunes. I think that's still the version I have. <laughs> oh, so were you listening to this album for like years before you ever even knew it had the other track? Yeah, uh, at least one or two, and I was I was, I was like, wait a minute, what? What is this? Huh, and huh. so, yeah, so it's it's interesting listening uh, to this album with and without this hidden track. Personally, I think it adds to it, which is funny because we were talking about how it's the perfect ending. Goodbye, my four tracks, perfect. But I I do think monkey monkeys are bad people makes a perfect encore track. Hmm. And especially the um, ending, and then the most incredible thing happened in the history of the world, and then it just dies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> by, the, by the way, like thinking about the album as a whole, it it's really weird to me, as I mentioned before, that it seemed like it just came out with no fanfare, or as far as I remember, kind of nothing. I know yeah. I, I I looked online a little bit, and it sounded like there was like a show in Portland or something like that, but uh, yeah. If anyone listens to this and remembers anything that happened when it came out, it'd be interesting to know. But uh, I don't know. It, it feels like maybe, you know, I mean, certainly it wasn't that long after this album came out that I think Logan started getting sick and this yeah. sort of thing. So that's probably like part of why it didn't get the, maybe he couldn't promote it to the degree that it deserves. Yeah. But um, overall, it, it, I'm still a little surprised because it's, so good and has so many tracks yeah. that kind of could work in a lot of even in like you know 
uh, like probably like TV shows or things that it seems exactly. like they would have. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that was something that he was kind of going for as well, right? Because he, he kept experimenting with exp- um, instrumental stuff and whatnot. And um, I believe in 06, when he got better, he did he scored a short film called Replica. And so I think he was trying to get more into that kind of field, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think he just wanted, would have wanted to do, like, every creative field. You know, like, yeah. like actually, I think one of his original things he wanted to do was like work for Lucasfilm or something like doing <laughs> uh you know special effects or like but like making models and you know like he was really into like the Star Wars kind of um yeah art and how those those things were made gotcha um, gotcha yeah no Logan was um was a hundred percent nerd but I love it I love it yep yep so definitely um in summary the as we said before, probably the best Logan album. Very, I'm glad that people decided to reissue it. That means like some people have realized how amazing it is. But like yeah, I, yeah. I would totally would not be surprised if at some point in the future, this album suddenly became way more popular. Yeah, no, I think it definitely deserves a lot more hype than it gets. And um, again, this is the album that like inspired people that I looked up to, like Jason Steele of Film Cow, who made the Trolley the Unicorn animation, or Neil Ciceriga, who did Lemon Demon, The Ultimate Showdown of Ultimate Destiny, Potter Puppet Pals, the list goes on because he's an internet legend. They w- were just among the few like of hundreds online that listened to and really connected with this album. And I, I find that very thought just amazing that this this album inspired so many people a couple people that i really love their work that this was kind of the source of of their creativity so i think that's really inspiring yeah that's really exciting i mean i think if you make um if you make stuff you can't really control if it's going to be popular or not and you can't really control if that's going to sort of like you don't even know if that's going to mean anything to you if it is. But I think if you yeah. if you sort of make something that a few people who really love music say that they really love it and inspires them to do any other stuff, like that's kind of like the, the pinnacle that you can reach in my mind. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I, I think with this album, again, Logan hit that goal mark. So, all right. So for real, this is the end of the episode. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Um... Next time, we will be talking about Very Tiny Songs, the final release by Logan Whitehurst and the Junior Science Club. Cool. See you next time. Bye-bye. My fourth track. And then occurred one of the most incredible events in the history of the world.